Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar It was it was fun. I, I always loved the uh, the first weekend of NBA playoffs. Like you just really just get eight games. Yeah, in and two look, days, mm-hmm. it's great. I hate the Celtics and I and I love to root against them. But them coming out of nowhere to like be this great team in the second half of the year has made the East even more interesting. So it's it's fun. It's a fun first round series. My money is on the Celtics Nets uh, going six and the Celtics winning that series four two. So let's. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Let's go Celtics in six, baby. Well, uh, <laughs> I think that sounds about right. Wow. Well, this. So I just gave you the kiss of death. <laughs> well, 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 this is a music <laughs> podcast, so we should we should we should stop talking sports. I, it's understandable. I am a professional athlete, so it makes sense. Yeah, and the the professional athlete we're talking to this week, or our guest for this week and the next uh, three weeks, is uh, our good buddy, Mr. Kevin McDevitt. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on the pod, Kevin. When we have guests, the first thing we like to ask them, because this is a music podcast, is what? Uh, why don't you give us some of your musical tastes? Let us know what you listen to, so we so that so the audience knows who they're who they're dealing with here. Oh, I just listen to everything. Okay. <laughs> okay. You're no, making it. I that's uh, that's my favorite response. That's always means that the person listens to like the songs that are on at the gym, <laughs> and that's like all they've heard. I like yeah, music. I just love music. Um, I I do like a variety. Classic rock has always been a go-to for me, but I like rap. I yeah. So some some artists, Bob Dylan would be a favorite. Thinking from that era, Cat Stevens, Paul Simon, The Grateful nice. Dead, Led Zeppelin. Love everything. Nineties alternative, nineties pop, Hootie and the Blowfish. I mean, wow. <laughs> Hold my wow. hand, Hootie. Kevin. <laughs> Well, the second question I would ask you, let's we, we can we can narrow it down a little bit. Give us one to three, not in order, but one, two, or three of your favorite live shows you've been to. Now you just off the top here. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, number one was out of left field for me, but it was number one was uh, Daft Punk at Coachella in uh, ah. 2007 or 2006 I think it was they like un- they hadn't played live in you know a million years I was not particularly interested to see like an electronic group play live but I mean we were at the festival was a, a really good time and, and it was I always liked Daft Punk so I wanted to see it and we got up like we were right next to the soundboard and they came out on this giant pyramid with like you know 35 foot tall LCD screens and just insane oh, nice, light yeah. show and just like remixing their songs seemingly on the fly I mean I don't know how much of it was worked out beforehand but it was like all these new combinations of their music and just this like yeah hour and a half um, um, communal ecstasy it was amazing nice so, I, I, I've never seen them actually. Neil, have you ever seen them? No. no okay, Kevin, give it, give us another, another one, or uh, you know, maybe, oh, maybe wow. two. 
it's really it's really hard to say. There's been a lot of shows uh, over the years. My first concert was um, was Paul McCartney at Giant Stadium as like a seven year old, and that was very memorable. And uh, he did like Live and Let Die to close the show, and there were fireworks, and it was <laughs> <laughs> he put on a show. You know. McDevitt was in heaven, was in rock was and roll fun. heaven. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, last question. If I were if if this was like, you know, if you um, do you have a CD player in your car? Uh, no, no. If you did, let's say you and I back in college, Boston University, we went to Boston University together. If it was your car, your CD book, and you're just floating through, give me a new band that if I got into your car now and we had CDs, you'd pop the CD and been like, we're going to ride around for the next hour and listen to this album. Newer band. A newer band. Okay. Last five to 10 years, you know. A uh, new band I started listening to very recently. I would definitely put it on right now. Uh, they're called Wet Leg. And huh. there's like a British duo, these two ladies, and very yep. like wry, humorous, kind of like sardonic indie rock. And uh, yeah, I was vibing with it a little bit. But I, yeah, I haven't dug in that deep. So I didn't, I didn't know if it would be like the one. I, if I'm driving around with you, I got to like, I got to come correct. Uh, you, got, you got to come correct. You, you, it can't just be all uh, sad, sad uh, middle-aged white guy rock. Is that what you're saying? It's, it's good. We got, we got to feel like we're young. I, you know, Kevin, this is a rock and roll podcast, so I would say the words rye and sardonic may not be appreciated by some of our listeners. <laughs> they don't like. They don't like Beck. <laughs> oh, we're we're definitely Beck friendly. We're a Beck friendly podcast, okay. uh, m- yeah. minus the Scientology always. So just a little spate. So, Kevin, thank you for, for doing this for the next three weeks. It's going to be fun. A little rock and roll news I, I read about this week. A man named Art Roop died. Do y'all, have you all ever heard of this guy? No. So Art, Art Roop died at 104 years old, which means he was born in 1918, right? Which is insane. Wow. When is, I, we'll get back to that in a second. But basically he founded Specialty Records back in the 40s and he signed Lloyd Price whose piano player at the time was Fats Domino Lloyd Price introduced him to Little Richard specialty released a lot all of Little Richard's early hits he had the Soul Stirs which was um, Sam Cooke's gospel band but then they had a falling out and he actually did not think You Send Me was going to be a hit and then Sam (laughs) Cooke proved him wrong a year after he left so uh, Art Roop Rest in peace, and thank you for your contributions to the musical landscape, my friend. Now, thinking of this, I was thinking, when I read about this this week, I was like, so do you think it'll be in the news? Because it's got to be coming up soon. The last person to be born in the teens is going to die soon, right? Yeah, I guess. Like, I, don't, I don't remember growing up when they were like, the last person born in the 19... 19- tens or what, whatever you call the night the 1900s i've never heard never heard an announcement of such <laughs> yeah do, do that uh, i feel like they should right well how would i guess recorded yes obviously there could, there could be someone in like a rural community who's 115 or 120 that you know but nobody knows exactly how old they are but i'm saying just you're just going by the I'm census. going by the census, man. <laughs> going by the census Jeez. count. Come on. The teens, I mean, dude, there's definitely been people that have lived to like 112, 114. So I don't know that you can reliably predict, you know, when that's going to be. It might be a good seven, eight years away. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. 
That's yeah. true. You should you should start tracking it. Uh, <laughs> I may. Is that going to be a new app where we just? Yeah. I, I just. Are I, you gunning to be the last, the last man of the '80s? I, there's no chance because I was born in '83. Like there's I'm not going to live past everybody who was born in '89. There's no chance because you've smoked. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's also that's also fair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hundred hundred and two maybe, but. but. My daily trips to the steam room are, are going to oh. even that out. So I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking genetically, I'm still on uh, net zero, healthy uh, live. Yeah, good cells. credits, smoke credits. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, another thing I saw in, in in rock and roll news this week is that uh, the original design created by Ace Frehley in 1973 of the Kiss logo, and it actually looks pretty sweet, is up for yeah, auction. It's good. It's on like a little disc. Oh my god. What do you think the starting price at auction is? Six hundred fifty thousand, and it's not. It's six. Okay, Kevin going six fifty. Neil. Um, and it's 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 on a disc. It's digital, or is it NFT, or what? No, it's like what he, the he logo. made. Um, like the he, oh, like he made oh, the well, first logo on. on this like little disc like thing. It's physically drawn on that. Okay. Yeah, this is the starting price, not what it ended up for. Oh. Well, I'll, I'll keep my guess. Neil, you go. $650,001. Son of a fifty k, fifty. Oh, hey. 50000 That's an opportunity right there, gentlemen. That's an opportunity. That is, uh, we need to, we we need to get on that. Jumping on it? Yeah. We, 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 need to, we should invest. Yeah. We, we can, we can arbitrage series. this easily. Yeah. Well, so this wasn't Gene. Gene, was, this is Ace doing it? Ace came up with the first logo, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, you know. Gene, uh, Jesus, he'll sell anything. Gene's a fucking circus animal. Um, and on that note, <laughs> you are listening to Vodgay Rock and Roll to you. And uh, we're talking about circus animals because this week we are talking about Los Lobos when the circus comes from their 1992 album Kiko, written by David Hidalgo and Louis Perez and produced by Mitchell Froome. And Los Lobos and released on Slash Records, WB Records. Well, I really love this band. I was introduced to them back in early the early 2000s uh, when I moved to Boone, North Carolina. We played it a lot at the Mellow Mushroom where I worked. A lot of their um, their whole catalog, for some reason. Um, I think my <laughs> boss there loved Los Lobos. And uh, it really grew on me. I think they're a great band, and I really love this song specifically. Um, you can hear the honesty in it. it. There is a very simple and juvenile quality to it, but I think that's what I like. The performance, the way they recorded it, the way it's almost like this acoustic drone, like there's a lot going on, really cool percussion. yeah. I think it is a better performance than a song, um, because I think in the wrong hands, this it, it's not the best song in the world. But the way the what they put on that album, I just love the the chorus, the the romantic idea of joining the circus. I think works with the whole song, and it becomes like um, a very memorable chorus that you can yeah. kind of sing to. And when he's gonna burn it down, you know, you know, like you can get into it, like yeah, fuck yeah, burn it down, man. Sure. <laughs> Well, it's a delicate song, so none of the live versions I really enjoyed because you you can't really fuck it up at all. 
for it to kind of maintain yeah, what it is. Yeah, very delicate. So I definitely do love the production and the song. I've definitely heard this song before this week, but not super familiar with it. And I can't remember. My mom had a couple of their albums when I was growing up. And so, you know, I, I, I may have heard it then. But honestly, I probably heard it amongst the like myriad shitty fish bootlegs my roommates and people I knew in college <laughs> played. That Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't know if they were playing this song then, but if... You know, I did see they played it a lot. Yeah, they were playing it in the late nineties. Uh, is there is there such a thing as a, a shitty fish bootleg? Do you have? Can you name <laughs> dates of some bash? <laughs> you should count the good ones. Great Woods, uh, six seven uh, ninety six. The Gorge. The Gorge is like good pre year. farmhouse <laughs> era. But uh, <laughs> well, yeah, we'll get we'll anyway. get to we'll, we'll get to fish when we're when we're under the covers. But it's a very sweet song, and the melody is, is pretty. Production, as I said, is top-notch. The best thing about the song, I mean, it, kinda, it gives you kind of a sadness, resilient feeling when you, when you hear it, and that's what good art does. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good song. Los Lobos, When the Circus Comes. Wow. Um, I had never heard it before. I, Los Lobos was always like a real blind spot for me, so it was really cool to listen to this song and then check out some of their other work. It's off the album Kiko. That was basically what I listened to was that and the live versions of some of the Kiko songs, which was uh, really awesome. They're a great band. The song, yeah, I agree with a lot of what you guys said, I think. Um, but for me, it was the greater discovery of Los Lobos. If I had to sum it up, I'd say uh, they're more than just La Bamba. So. <laughs> yeah. Los Lobos, nice. more than just La Bamba. Yeah, Kevin McDevitt, uh, 2022. Excellent. That that should be the blurb on their uh, on their band memoir. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Kevin, go edit the Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> well, Neil, you picked the song. Uh, let's. What, what's 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 your favorite part about this song? Like what really draws you to it other than Mellow Mushroom, Jam Bands, and Fish? <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part is, you know, just mirroring what you said, melody and production. Like it, it, there's something cool about this version. Like there's nothing that even holds a candle to this album version. Anything I saw them doing it live, like it was just like, eh, it's all right. I don't know. The, it, the chorus is really nice, too. The, the verse is nice on its own. The chorus is nice on, the, on its own. And together, it's just a, it's a very delicate pretty Yeah, song. and it's it, and it's a very common... Actually, more, I, I said it was a common chord progression last week, but, but this is a very common chord. I mean, you're going one, six, four, one. And the six really works well. I mean, they really use it to great effect when they go to that minor right there. I think that's mm-hmm. probably... Um, because you don't really know what kind of song you're getting into. It's kind of got a little bit of a march with the percussion and then it's like, okay, we're going to hit some yeah. we're going to hit some solid notes and then you know they throw in the little flat seventh Kevin. It, we're getting too music nerdy for you right now. Bear with us. I'm I'm just I'm seeing then, all the numbers in front of me and yeah, it's they're whizzing. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just floating. Yeah. And another common thing is, you know, they they go to the five when they go to the chorus and and it works really well mm-hmm. uh, within the confines of the song. I, yeah, it's a very common chord progression. I mean, but the cool thing I think they did, what I was speaking to, just the, the, I don't know if there's mandolin or what, there's a lot of strings going on. And I think they're also, there's some open strings. Well, like one of the guitars might be in open tuning because you can hear this ringing throughout. You know what I mean? That's sure. part of just the whole, it's almost like a trance kind of thing going on. Yeah, but that's that's more the brightness of the guitar. I'm talking about like just melodically. 
the the melody you almost like you don't even need the words like i could i can get the feel of what this song is about just by that like if you just hummed it i could i could probably guess like okay there's some sadness maybe some heartache in here maybe some resiliency Mm -hmm. and and, you know uh (laughs) sure sure okay okay now he's now he's he's moving he's gonna he's gonna be all right or she's gonna be all right whoever this is about is gonna be all right i think could have had a chance to get out of this Now, Kevin, are you are you a melody person? Are you like when you oh do you go I mean, melody it's a, lyrics? Lyrics, of course. Uh, yeah, I'm a words guy. Yeah, for me, favorite part of the song, kind of. I gotta go the central metaphor, um, the circus here. I think there's a few ways you can look at it, but I just love the whole the whole chorus. But when the lights are turning round and the wheels are rolling on the ground, that day I'll burn this whole place down when the circus comes to town. And I think in context, I mean, on a, out of context, it's like kind of badass. But in context, it's yeah. like, it's this guy, yeah, he's, he, or presumably this guy that's singing, but like he's dealing with a heartbreak. Uh, it sounds like it wasn't his call either. You know, he got broken up with, probably the love of his life. It's not working out. And then this is just this feeling that, you know, I think most people have gotten at some point the overwhelming emotion, the stress, everything. And I think that that <laughs> is just this roiling sea inside this guy. And at the end, he's like, well, but it doesn't mean that much. <laughs> when meanwhile, he was like freaking losing his, you know, his, they had blown the big top off of him. <laughs> it's cool. I think the lyrics are really, really simple, but like that's where the power comes from. And I like the repetition. I liked the could have had a chance, could have had a chance. Never thought I could, never thought mm-hmm. I could. Just, yeah. And it's he's he's mm-hmm. plotting through this, but I think it is. Uh, you said resilience. I think it is after the circus has come to town. He has sort of worked through that. <laughs> Just the chorus is so good because it's all symbolic. He's not burning anything down. He's not joining the circus. You know, it's all just it's it's something. It's like it's almost a vehicle to just like let out all that emotion. Yeah, you know what I mean. I almost look at it as if that's his. The chorus, okay, there's two ways. There's one that's that's probably closer to what he was thinking about, and then another one that I just have an idea that I want to run past you guys. But the chorus is definite, for me, It's it's that's the resilient part of like, I'm going to be fine. I'm moving on. The chaos, the circus is leaving, and I'll be fine, basically. Or, hear me out, this is like a stalker, kind of like serial killer thing, where like, he got broken up with, joins the circus and then exacts his revenge burns the whole place down and then he just didn't he mean keep, that much and didn't mean that much and then and then he just repeats it <laughs> as he goes through life he just repeats it he chased the heart right out when the circus gets somewhere he meets someone from that town he falls in love and then she breaks his heart every time and then he burns it down in the circus keeps going i like it it's, it's like a dystopian a creative take it's like a more dystopian station 11 situation if anybody <laughs> saw that show or read that book yes i don't i don't think that's what it's about <laughs> <laughs> what how dare you well okay since you're the words guy what what is your what is your favorite line i mean is your favorite part the repetition of the uh, didn't mean oh. that much or you know the first time hearing it, well, there's a couple. The first time, the, the time that you came and the day that you left, it just kind of says a lot in one line, I feel like. And then, mm-hmm. again, it's, it's deceptively simple, but, like, you left your name carved on a tree. Um, it's just, I mean, it's a pure visual image. Everything in this is yeah. it has a visual mm-hmm. image to it, which I think is, I mean, it's just great storytelling. So, 
It's hard to pick yeah. one, but those would kind of be the two. I enjoy, and Neil, Neil, you know this just by doing this podcast with me. Like, I'll, I enjoy lyrics that say a lot in very few words, that, but also aren't abstract. It's like I can see and get the feeling in like a line or two. I agree with you, Kevin. The um, the day you time that you came and the, the day, day that you the left. The time you came, and I do love the uh, in the in the car of my name and in, in the tree and yeah. There's two, it's in two verses. Yeah. Yeah, it's at the end. Um, Carved on the tree or scratch it out. Not the scratch out. I like the well, card. You, let, you left your name carved on a tree. You scratched mine out right in front of me. Didn't mean that much. Didn't mean that much. Didn't mean that much. Yeah, and it's crazy because uh. he re- he's repeating these lines. He says, didn't mean that much there. And then the next one is, doesn't mean that much. But the first time, he's it's her breaking his heart, and it doesn't mean that much to her. Yeah. And the next time, it's him saying it to make himself feel better and to move on. You know, after yeah. the deed's been done. The guys who wrote it, David Hidalgo and Louis Perez, Perez says that it's about two lifelong buddies who have a falling yeah. out over some it's, stupid it's, shit and it's risk bullshit. everything. It's yeah, bullshit. Yeah, I saw yeah, that. There's no way. That's a no. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, there's no tree. You know, I'm, it's not like I, yeah. Neil and Kevin, yeah. I gotta carve that on a tree. <laughs> um, and just. I, I scratched it out and then, yeah. <laughs> Left your name. I think the reason I do love this song so much is the tree stuff yeah. because it is so visual. It reminds you of being a kid. I've definitely carved, you know, Neil plus someone on a tree somewhere at some time. And yes. then, I mean, my favorite line is, I'll chase your heart right out of me. Like, it's kind of like the finality of it. And it's so, like, yeah, that's a great. I line. don't know, just the emotion in that line, you can, you can, it's so honest. Yeah. You know? Sorry. I mean, like you said, I mean, it's not juvenile, but the lyrics are very childlike. I mean, it, it does feel like it's coming from a child. But I have, I have one question about the lyric. The, the phrase, burn this whole place down, is it overused or like properly used? I think it's, um, it's probably overused, but that doesn't mean you can't use it. You need to know what you're doing. It's like dynamite. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna say it was it was a hundred percent underused in the like up until this point, and then you've got you know this uh, this, <laughs> until this yeah song. then you have this in the '90s, and then a little bit later in the '90s you have Office Space. I'll burn this whole place to the ground. So mm. and then at that point, I think it achieved full saturation. So so we're 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 talking like Los Lobos kind of exploded the dam, so to speak, of the <laughs> burn this whole place down. What, what would you call that? That's not a cliche. Is it a cliche? No, because they, they know they, they created the meme and the and it's just been memed to death now. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they created I, a meme back in 1992. Yeah, I uh, have no idea. I'm sure it was used many times. I'm sure it's in the Bible. The but, first Kiko yeah. meme. <laughs> <laughs> well, God definitely burned some places down in, yeah, in the Old Testament for sure. That um, well. Move, moving on from God in the Old Testament, let, let's talk about, I, I think, Neil, you and I both ag- ag- agree, Kevin, I don't know what you think about it, but th- that the production is probably the a- another uh, highlight of the song, and it's produced by uh, Mitchell Froome, who was a member of the bands Gamma and Latin Playboys, and he is now, and it has been, the keyboardist for Crowded House for a while, and I, I just think he does an excellent job. I, the, it's almost like... You know, when I ha- have a fo- uh, sports team that I like, or I'm going to use football here. When I have a football team I like, and the coach knows how to get the playmaker the ball in space and let him fucking do his thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's what I love. And the producer in this lets the melody 
and the percussion and shine. And that's all I really need to yeah. hear. And he brightens up the guitars and gives it a little kind of circusy feel. It's it's great. Yeah. And well, like you said, the coach can call the plays, but the players still have to uh, run it into the end zone. I think this was both. I think it's very great production. And I think they, they just captured a moment here, like just the kind of yeah. the way he's singing. And I even read a story that um, I think it was uh, in regards to the solo. Hidalgo said he was playing around and was just trying to get his amp right and just like playing licks. And they're like, we got it. Wrap it up. He's like, I didn't even do it yet. They're like, no, we got it. So cool. Wow. <laughs> yeah. it's, very, now, it's very raw, um, as you said. And that's, that's so cool to hear that. So the guitar, the solo was just kind of some, he thought, off mic noodling. I think so. Because I don't, I don't <laughs> see how that, the, that would have even applied to the chords. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. Well, and, the, and because the solo sounds like it's so unique. But it's, it sounds like it comes out of nowhere, but he's it's basically more like just, textural. But he's playing over what the the last two lines of the chorus. I mean, he's yeah. playing over that one, six, one, flat, seven, one part, basically. That didn't mean that much, right? No, no. He's playing over the um, the, the, the end of the chorus. Yeah, where yeah, yeah. You, where you got that F um, involved. So, yeah, but th- that's more instrumentation, I think. I, I mean, I'm just talking about, like... The, well, that's part of the production, yeah. The, absolutely. The, the, and the tone is is very it's, foreboding, I would say. It's an octave pedal used in the right way. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, and what, is, what does that mean? So you're playing something up high on the guitar, and if you use that, it basically you can just yeah, travel yeah. Well, between it plays, octaves? It usually plays, I mean, for the most part, it plays a lower note. So everything's playing like the note you're playing. You can play it high or low, and it plays a behind it. Like it, it makes it really thick. You know, it's almost like a bass is doubling you. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Now, Kevin, do you notice production when you when you're listening to music? Not at like, all. Are you... I mean, no, unless it was something like you know Pink Floyd or something. I I wasn't picking up on all those details. By week three, you'll you'll okay. kind of be, be like, paying that was attention. That suspended seventh. Yeah, obviously. Well, no, not not even about that. Of just how it's. I just think this song is very very well mixed. Like, you yeah. know, it, the vocals are out front, the percussion is out front, and the bass is kind of hidden in there, which is fine, because that's probably my least favorite part of the instrumentation. The guitars are very bright, and if you listen to it in headphones, like, they really have it loaded up on the mm-hmm. on the left side of, mm-hmm. like, guitars mm-hmm. and, and, and bass, and then the percussion and the vocal is kind of spread out between both ears. So that, oh, wow. that, that's that, that's really good. And, and speaking about all the instrumentation... I. I honestly couldn't find exactly what who plays on this song, but at the time and the personnel on this album were uh, Steve Berlin basically playing most horns, harmonica, piano, organ, synth, anything like that that would be on these songs. Uh, David Hidalgo, uh, guitar and singing. Um, Conrad Lozano, bass and backup vocals. Louis Perez on drums. Cesar Rojas on guitars. Pete Thomas on drums. Alex Acuna on percussion. Victor Bassetti on percussion. Mitchell Froome and his House of Keyboards La Chilapena Brass Band. That's everybody who's listed. I think those first four are probably the only guys who played on this exact song because it really just sounds like it's a couple of acoustics, that electric that comes in, bass, and dr- and the, the percussion is my favorite musical part of the song. It, it's just it just prominent mm-hmm. throughout. Yeah, no, it, it, it makes it. It's the most unique part of it. Like I think that's one of the things that really kind of took it over the top. The bass 
I, man, I really just don't like the bass playing in the song. I don't like what he's doing with the well, melody. Well, it's not in your like, face. It's not, it's, but it's when you it down. listen it's, to the song ten times and you're like, oh, there's the bass. Mm, glad I didn't hear it the other eight times. <laughs> then, <the laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's not the best part. And the and the vocals are fine. I mean, they're they're bored. I think because my mom had out like used to listen to this band, I probably associated his vocal with more like borderline cheesy blues of that time, like Robert Cray and Kenny Wayne. And yeah, well, that's the thing about Los Lobos. They they just have a high ceiling, low floor. Like they can be crushing <laughs> it with some really good originals, but they can also, um, you know lead into the cheesy blues a little bit well for me i i thought um you know listening to the rest of the kiko album i was actually probably more into a lot of that like just from like a rock standpoint they were kind of like they they can really play man and this song i mean i like the i like the production you know aspects you guys are talking about but uh, I came to rock, and I like. <laughs> you were like, I thought this was pod game rock, not pod game heartache. Pod game ballad, um, yeah. It- <laughs> Go ahead and listen to um, just another band from East LA. That's okay. their compilation double disc. That's kind of what got me into them because it has live versions and all their best album stuff. Cool. Well, the, it's really the, good. The first song on Kiko, I think, is probably the most popular one from Kiko. I, I, I remember hearing that a lot at a certain point in my life. Uh, Dream and Blue. Mm-hmm. Had y'all mm-hmm. had, had had you never heard that, Kevin? Dream and Blue. I no, I'd never heard any any of these songs. Well, just before we move on from from the music and the production and everything, I the the guitar as we talked about, I want my favorite. I, I do love when I get really nice guitar solos that are quick and in and out. And there's two of them in this, and it's just they're really nice and well placed and just tasteful. They're tasteful, is what I well, would then say. Well, you're gonna hate our version. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Um, well, <laughs> Jesus, before man. we get into the fish covers, why don't we vibe for a little bit and and talk about when the ideal scenario of hearing this song is? Neil, it's your song. When do you want to hear when the circus comes? Let's love us. Well, I'm definitely not putting it on at a party. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if you consider a picnic or a barbecue a party, I, I think it's a good. It's a daytime song. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. What? No, yeah, this take... is a this is a, a loan song. This is a headphones. You're putting this on at a barbecue? <laughs> Maybe, yes. It's it's got a good vibe. It's got a good vibe. I agree with I the daytime vibe. I didn't agree with the barbecue. Yeah, this is vibe. for when you're sad in the daytime, but you're like you're about to not be sad anymore. You're like, all right, this is I've already been down that road. I've already, now I'm trying to spread the love to other oh, okay. people. I've I've already yeah. <laughs> I for me this is another porch song. But it is specifically a sunset at sunset porch song. Mm-hmm. So it, it probably, like Kevin said, alone on the porch alone. This is playing, mm-hmm. watching the sunset. Mm-hmm. Once it's down, I'm good. Yeah, it's a good end of day capper song. I think. Well, you listen to the song, and then one way to not be sad anymore is to uh, slide under the influence, Kevin. And uh, <laughs> that's when we talk about the influences of this song before, after, during. Or if there's a song that this reminds you of that you think people should listen to, Kevin, you're the guest. What what do you think? I, yeah, uh, I hear a little bit of Springsteen. I have to. Ah. 
Got yeah. got to flash my jersey, jersey credentials around, but <laughs> you know, it's that storytelling, it's the heartfelt, earnest songwriting uh, and deliver, you know, the vocal is almost a little bit similar to the boss and then I, you know, in terms of influences, it's hard to say because I, I know they were playing for like a long time before this 80s heyday <laughs> that they had. But like, yeah. you know, somebody like Neil Young, like I could see being an influence on, on yeah, this particular that's, song. That's fair. And then, but then their whole other catalog, I mean, gosh, they just were influenced by like, just seems like everything and a lot of, you know, a lot of Mexican styles and a lot of the classic rock from the time. So tough to pinpoint, but as far as what it sounds like to me, it's uh, like a Springsteen ballad. <laughs> So, so mm-hmm. in saying that, would you also say that uh, they influenced the Gaslight Anthem going forward? <laughs> no, Gaslight Anthem, uh, they're alternate reality Springsteen. So, so variant, variant yeah. Springsteen. Um, nah. yeah, they were they were influenced by Los Lonely Boys. So, oh man, see, yeah, I think Josh, that's where you were going, like. I think they're so much better than Los Lonely Boys. I mean, that's kind of what I think Los of Lonely Boys. a little. You've oh heard no, Los Lonely Boys. Yes, like, yes, like late nineties. It's like a Mexican that, Almond Brothers. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my God, uh, yes, so cheesy. Uh, Neil, what's? Uh, let's not talk about them because uh, they they yeah. were definitely influenced by these guys, I think. But yeah, uh, good what, one. What, what what do you got? It m- reminds me a lot of Taj Mahal. Just the acoustic nature of it, um, the words and production sounds like that. Speaking, we've been talking about fish. I think this song probably sparked Farmhouse. Wow, it's, they're very close. Um, I think Trey was probably noodling this song and started singing about a farmhouse. Wow! Oh, the actual um, song "Farmhouse." Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Wait, it's, it reminds me a little bit of. Uh, just, wait, what else would you? Oh, it, was the album called "Farmhouse"? The album's called "Farmhouse." God, yeah. Josh, oh, okay. you just put your ignorance on parade on a weekly basis. <laughs> I'm okay with that as long as it involves fish. Uh, I, <laughs> Similar to uh, Taj Mahal, I think it sounds like John Prine and yeah. uh, specifically huh. Angel from Montgomery. Because even the chorus, like, you know, mm-hmm. the, the yeah, chorus is kind of, yeah. well, just the, talking about a rodeo and a circus and, you know, it's a very, like, creative. Uh, so in that sense, is it very similar to Garth Brooks' Rodeo? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a distant cousin. It's a distant cousin. Uh, I'm gonna mine. Mine's short and sweet. I mean, I you know when I first hear him start singing it, it I'm like, holy shit, this sounds like like early Clapton solo work, like Ooh. the slow mm-hmm. or slow early Cat Clapton. Um, his voice sounds a lot like Clapton in like '72. And then moving forward, I, this it. song reminds me a lot of a song by Anders Osborne called uh, "Mind of a Junkie." Cool which I would definitely say check out. Just the guitar tone for some reason in the song, and the song in general, it, it just has a similar vibe. And, you know, speaking of, of junkies, I think it's I think it's time we slid under the covers and started talking about the covers of the song. I, I'm going to just start myself on this one. I listened to the only covers that I found were by Fish, and there's like a bunch of them. I don't know which one I listened to or where or what year or what date or what month it's fine but i'm not gonna listen to it again ever so. that was a great start to the uh, discussion of the covers that was like really cool conversation starter <laughs> chat on the whole thing but one there's one cover and it's not worth listening it was to. okay yeah. i don't know which one it was what well, year. that's why there's three of us here so now you guys can talk about how much you love the covers or not i don't know 
there are when you when you type the song into Spotify, like thirty fish versions come up. <laughs> <laughs> I poked around and I found my favorite one. I found was Pittsburgh '98 at Star Lake Amphitheater, which was the amphitheater I used to go to as a kid. Pittsburgh was about three hours away, so um, I'm surprised I wasn't at that show. But um, yeah, I mean, Fish does it well. Like, but it's like we talked about. It's very delicate, and sometimes they're not equipped to handle a super delicate <laughs> De- song delicacies I mean, <laughs> they can't handle delicacies <laughs> vocal but delicacies, the way trey least. plays the melody on guitar sometimes when he really um digs into like he they they stretch out the solo and he plays kind of a verse on guitar um and it's just really nice i mean he he always does well at uh playing the actual melody on guitar and yes. injecting his own sound yeah. to it yeah his guitar sounds other good. than that yeah you couldn't find anything the only thing <laughs> As I was scrolling down, there was this song called Bow Down to the Clowns by Onslaught. I checked that out. It was terrible. (laughs) Um, And then just while we're here, uh, speaking of covers, um, one thing that got me into Los Lobos is just they do some really good covers. Um, One of my favorite ones is uh, they do that politician cream song that Um, and I say still to this day Hidalgo just crushes that song I think he played it better than Clapton ever did like on just another band from East LA that version of that like sometimes Hidalgo has no ceiling he's just fucking tearing that guitar to pieces and he does that that, that's high praise Kevin what is what do you have um, for, for the so covers? So under the covers, yeah. Uh, actually, my vibe time, when I, I this is my the flip side of my other vibe time of wanting to hear the song, <laughs> is uh, next time I see Fish. I've never heard them play it. Uh, I would ah. love to hear it. I, think it. I think it actually suits Trey's voice really well. I mean, that's not a band. And Josh, this is where you get it twisted with Fish. It's not about the lyrics or the singing. I know. It's not always about the lead singer. <laughs> um, and so... <laughs> But this band, uh, that is a song that he can really sing well and, and, and I think do justice to and kind of his, his life experience and everything. It, it comes off pretty well. I really liked it. Um, I believe the version I liked was uh, from Live Fish Volume 6. I'll let Josh look up the, the date for that for, uh, for the show notes. And location. Yeah. Um, I need to know had, what they played before and after. Uh, what I wanted to say before about the, the post-breakup, it's kind of like you're coming down from the heartbreak. This guy's coming mm-hmm. down from the heartbreak and mm-hmm. and so it's probably mm-hmm. played it's probably played at that moment in the fish show when <laughs> someone yeah. might be coming well, down. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'll definitely agree with you. I mean it sounds like a fish song when they do it. Like yeah. it sounds yeah. like one of their kind of softer songs, um Come Waste Your Time with Me, stuff yeah, like that. It is like waste. And you know, it, it's right in their wheelhouse. Like it's, ju- I just hold it in such high regard. Like anytime they flub a note on this one, it, it's it's so empty. It's like you can hear it ringing. You know? <laughs> I I agree. I agree with y'all that it, it does sound like a fish song. He can sing it. You know, it's not one of the covers that they do that. It's just like, why are y'all doing this cover? But yeah, it's 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 fine. <laughs> it's fine. I'm sure there's one that would blow my mind from. 2008. Pitts, Pittsburgh, I mean, 98, bro. I do like the I do like the added <laughs> soloing that they add to it. It's uh, it you know it just kind of spreads the song out a little bit. It's it deserves it. Yeah, hey, it's it the you know the melody is is great. So you know all for that. Yeah. And you know what else is great? Wearing shoes. So uh, Neil, it's your song. How does the shoe fit? Fits great, but I lost them a long time ago. <laughs> oh, <laughs> boom! Bringing it tonight, Kevin. 
How does the shoe fit for Los uh, Lobos? This shoe fits like a Baquero's favorite boots. This is, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is like, this is a well-worn boot. It's comfortable. It's got a lot of character. Um, and, uh, you know, this is like one of the biggest Chicano bands of all time. I mean, it's, they've got a really cool history, so it's cool to, to learn about them. They're playing at um, Cheech Marin has like a, a, a museum opening in, this is real though, Cheech Marin has a museum opening in Riverside uh, for Chicano culture and Los Lobos are opening the museum. It's like two months from now. Sweet. Nice. Road trip. Shout out Cheech and uh, Los Lobos here. Um, I, you know what? I know I was very complimentary of the song, but it doesn't fit for me. I, I, I'm probably not wearing this again after this week. I appreciate it. I respect it, but you know, I'm I'm returning it to the store. I'm returning those clown shoes. I'm returning those clown shoes. What does that mean? What does that mean? You're returning the song. I I I I bought I I bought them for a week. I enjoyed it for a week. I'm probably never gonna listen to the song again unless somebody on on Spotify. He 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 clicked. Don't play anything like this. So so the song is actually at the same level as the fish cover. It just sounded like you were shitting on fish, but you were saying they're as good as Los Lobos, which means I'm not was very complimentary, but fuck this song. (laughs) Don't put words in my mouth. Don't put words in my mouth. I I, I can put my own foot in my mouth. Uh, (laughs) Not with those clown shoes on. (laughs) They've already been taken back to the store. And, And on that note, our cover of Los Lobos... When the circus comes. Could have had a chance to get out of this wreck. The time that you came and the day that you left. Could have had a chance Could have had a chance Never thought I could make it this far With a dent in my soul and a hole in my heart Never thought I could Never thought I could But when the light Turning round, wheels are rolling on the ground. Day I burn this whole place down when the circus comes to town. Left your name carved on a tree. Scratch mine out right in front. Didn't mean that much Didn't mean that much When the lights are turning round Wheels are rolling on the ground Day I burn this whole place down When the circus comes to town
cover you just heard was performed by neil marsh and josh bond thank you for listening to pod gave rock and roll to you if you like what you heard please subscribe and rate wherever you listen um if you want to reach out to us you can find us on twitter and instagram under the handle at pod gave rock next week is josh's song what are we going to do we are going to discuss roy orbison's in dreams can't wait